Well, I had friends when I was in high school in preferred activities like horseback riding, electronics, or model rockets. And there's a tendency sometimes to just go, go on and on and on talking about the same thing. And this is where someone had to tell me, you're going to tell that story twice, and that's all that people are going to want to hear it. They're going to get bored with it after uh, hearing it uh, more than twice. Give them, say, hey, you know, you've talked too much about that robot. Let's talk about something else. Well, let's give some examples of things that are not perfect. Okay, if a photographer's working for the National Geographic, that would be at the pinnacle of photography career. But if you go through the National Geographic, you're probably going to find some technical errors like flare in some of the pictures. But overall, such a great picture, even though it had flare, you still use the picture. Also, if he's a science kid, bring up the concept of absolute zero, where all atomic motion is stopped. You can never get there, you can only approach it. You know, get the concept across of work up to a certain standard. It doesn't have to be perfect, it's got to be up to a certain standard. Well, when I was a young kid, there were expectations for doing things that other people want. It gets back to turn-taking. Uh, yeah, I'd sit through church even though I thought it was boring. But that's something the other members of the family wanted to do. And there were expectations for me not to be disruptive. And most of the time I behave. You know, and that's just one step beyond turn-taking in board games. You've got to learn to get your turn. Sometimes you get to pick out the movie, Another time, son, brother or sister may pick out the movie we go to. Well, one of my really important teachers, Mr. Carlock, my science teacher, and he had interesting projects for me to do. And I worked on all kinds of stuff with optical illusions. And that actually helped me in some of my cattle work because it made me pay attention to what the animals were seeing. And then that was that doing interesting science projects got me motivated to study. Because now I had a reason for studying. Studying was a way to get to a goal of becoming a scientist. This is where a good teacher really turns a student around. Well, there's a lot of problems in the sensory system. Distorted input, sort of like uh, pictures pixelating with a bad satellite dish, uh, uh, audio cutting in and out like a really bad cell phone. Uh, that a lot of the sensory systems are not working normally. In my book, The Autistic Brain, I've got a whole big section in there on sensory issues. And there's an interesting new study that's come out called Environmental Enrichment is an Effective Treatment for Autism. Now, I want to make it very clear, this does not replace ABA or speech therapy. It is an adjunct. And what's done in this, and there's a paper you can get online called Environmental Enrichment's Effective Treatment for Autism. You stimulate two senses at the same time, like maybe you do an aromatherapy, a cinnamon, something like that, touch carpet. You always change, always changing the pair of senses that you stimulate. And one of the senses is always one of the more primitive senses, smell, touch, or balance. So there's a lot of emphasis on eight different aromatherapies, and the people were, um, children were, were uh, evaluated baseline. Controls got ABA and speech therapy. Experimentals got this additional sensory therapy. And then after uh, quite a few months, they evaluated them again. And the experimental group that had the treatment had significantly better behavior. This is a refereed scientific journal article. 
and it uses simple household things, very simple to do. Environmental enrichment is an effective treatment for autism. You can download it online. I'll tell you some things not to do. Don't say he went to sleep, because then the child might be afraid that he went to sleep. I, when I was very young, uh, we were out for a walk and came across a very flat squirrel in the middle of the road that had been run over. And it was very clear that the squirrel could not be put back together again. And that made me learn not to run out in the street because I wouldn't want to be like that squirrel. And there's no way the veteran, veterinarian could do surgery and put him back together again. I mean, basically, um, you know, death of a person, they are gone. They are gone. Well, I, Oliver Sacks is a very kindly uh, kind of professor type of person, and I, I read an article he wrote in the New York Times just before he died about you know going back doing the Jewish Sabbath, and at the end of the article he was talking about well, if A then B then C, which way of his life could have gone down different paths, and I started really weeping when I read that article, you know, and I'm glad it went down the path that you know where our paths crossed. I could barely print it out, I was so um, upset. No, uh, fortunately, um, he was writing right up until the end. And he's uh, overall really satisfied with his life. Well, after the article appeared in the New Yorker magazine, uh, shortly after that, an agent appeared that suggested that I ought to write a book. And that's what brought the book Thinking in Pictures into being.